Welcome to Fandom Media. Yes, indeed. Thanks for helping us kick off the second half of the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia Season 12 there, announcer Jason. What do we think of the season so far? I think it's been really solid. Really good season. Me too. I've actually been thinking about how much I like it, and I can't decide if it's because I'm giving it so much more attention with this podcast, but I think it's one of the best seasons. You know, I really appreciate the different uh, ways they've toyed around with the format of the show and the commentary they've made, and it's as funny as ever. I, I really love it. I'd have to agree. I think I'm really enjoying this season. I think it stands out a bit above maybe most of the last few seasons, but... We still have a whole half season to go, so we'll maybe have this conversation again at the end of the season and see what we think as compared to then. So what did you guys think of this episode in particular as compared to the previous five episodes? I liked it. I would have to think a minute if I was going to like compare and contrast each one. But I tell you what this episode had a lot of that I think some of the other episodes this season haven't had as much of, which is one of my favorite things in comedy and comedy TV shows is rapid-fire dialogue, a group of three or more people going back and forth where you barely have time to finish laughing at one line before the next one comes, the next one comes, the next one comes. And this episode was full of that. I love that. I think it might be my favorite one of the season. I really like when they do group arguments, group debates. I think it's one of the things they do best. Yeah, interactions like that allow them to represent their characters. The, the, the lines that each character say usually match who is saying it, if that makes sense. And I, I think it both reveals and adds to the character when they have those type of arguments. I really, what I think I like most, and I think maybe most people, whether they realize it or not, is dialogue. That's what really engages you in shows. Not that there's nothing to be said for cinematography and whatnot, but usually people buy into characters, and characters are defined by what they say. And, and when you have those group arguments like that, they say a lot of stuff in a short amount of time. It really packs a lot of development and laughs and everything else in. Yeah, I think that's a lot of what I liked about the episode in particular. I, th I mean, when you have quickfire dialogue, you just get more dialogue, so it's a better episode to me. But I also think what I liked about this episode, and it's definitely my favorite of the season so far, is just the fact that it got real there, and Mac embraced his sexuality there, and I just really, really respect the writers and creators for going there and for doing that after receiving criticism pre last season for not going there and having him take it back. Yeah, I would say it's a bold move, a big moment in the show. Meta Elements. And so this episode was 22 minutes long, which is at least not on the short side, and it felt longer due to all that quickfire dialogue. This episode felt like 17 hours to me. <laughs> <laughs> so the writers for this episode were Rob, Charlie, and Glenn, but the director was a new director, which is Jamie Babbitt. That's a director that I personally am a big fan of. I think she's known best for, but I'm a cheerleader, and that's my personal favorite of her work. But she's also directed a lot of different comedy TV shows, like Silicon Valley and lots of others. But the only TV show that she was a producer for was Married, which, funnily enough, is another FX show with Fatty Magoo. That is Judy Greer. Oh, when's the Aluminum Monster going to get her own show? Oh, she does. The Mick, right? Already. <laughs> the Aluminum Mixter. <laughs> the other day, I actually saw a picture of Caitlin Olsen in the Mick, and she was wearing the infamous Riot shirt that Mac wears. So we got a couple other new characters featured on this episode, the different Arbiters. There was Phil, who... Your name is Phil? Dennis was sure to clarify his name for us. <laughs> and in... At the beginning and then at the end, we had Margie. 
But in the middle was Faith, played by Karen McClain. She was the primary arbiter through most of the episode. Yeah, she was actually vaguely familiar to me, and it turned out that she was in Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Lady Dynamite and actually quite a few other comedies, but all in very minor roles. So she's one of those faces that a lot of us might just recognize. So the big thing this episode, I think, although I guess the gang would say I'm way off and say it's about a lottery ticket, was the huge breakthrough with Mac. Again, like I said, with him embracing his sexuality, and I thought that uh, some people might worry that they're going to take it back again later, see like next season, for example. But next Char- episode, yeah, next episode. I we watched it, and people were immediately joking that that was going to happen. But Charlie Day did an interview actually where he said that last season a lot of people were disappointed with this idea that Mac took it back and they just realized that it just did more societal good for them to have him come out and honestly it just does more good for the plot and for the characters. It's going to be a way better show with all these new storylines. Yeah, you're way off. This was definitely about a two. You don't get it. You clearly don't get it. We need a different arbiter who gets it. By the way, it's a pretty big deal that Mac won $10,000. I mean, he lost it all pretty quickly, but... That was pretty lucky, yeah. I wonder how quick he would have blown it. Like, I wonder what they would have spent $10,000 on. That'd be I mean, a fun we know. episode. We know what he was going to spend That's right. It on. He told us, yeah. The Ask Founder 4000. <laughs> Which, by the way, he also mentions in the very beginning of the episode, of course, we didn't know exactly what that bike entailed, but <laughs> I had a certain feeling about what that could be when he brought it up. Fandomedia.reviews. So we talked about how the argument feature is a great callback or great uh, recurring theme for them. And so we, what are some of the other really good argument episodes well, that this reminded us well, of? Well, of course, there's the all-time great Reynolds versus Reynolds, the serial defense. <laughs> that was awesome. It's just reminded me a lot of it in so many different ways. There was the Who Pooped the Bed episode. Yeah, It was yeah. a bit like that. It wasn't necessarily an argument, but it was all of them just talking about something, you know, and then, you know, and examining evidence, but... <laughs> And, of course, there's different court scenes like uh, McPoyle versus Ponderosa. Yep, and the World Series defense. Yes, yes. (laughs) Even the gang cracks the Liberty Bell has a little bit of that as the framing device. That's a good Mm -hmm. point. Narrative. We also had the return of Dee smoking. We saw her smoking in the gang broke Dee, and here, I mean, she's just... Smoking a lot, apparently, with Charlie, which I have to wonder what they're up to that they're <laughs> smoking during, uh, given what else they've done together. But hey, at least Dee has an excuse. She has a chance of getting Parkinson's. <laughs> I love how, by the way, she starts off just saying, I have Parkinson's disease. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like Charlie saying he has cancer. <laughs> yes. Here's the thing about cancer. <laughs> I don't have it. <laughs> A chance of getting cancer. A chance of getting Parkinson's disease. <laughs> or Frank saying, how about this? Your mother's dead. Okay, <laughs> she's not dead, but... <laughs> of course, Frank being a shameless lecher is nothing new there. The Although, I think the shoe mirror is at least kind of clever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's that clever. You're not really going to see much at all. Yeah, really. I guess it probably doesn't even work very well, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't work, it... I know. <laughs> 
So it's clever as a comedic device. Yes. <laughs> we also had a recurring theme of Dee and Dennis actually being very similar and saying similar things. But when Dee says it, it's perceived as pathetic. And when Dennis says it, everyone follows his lead. And they specifically yeah. admit that. They're like, it sounds pathetic when you say it. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I appreciate, I, I just thought of this, the, the gang gets trapped and the gang gets trapped. We never see it, but it's referenced a couple times in the episode about how Dennis got up on the table and made this impassioned speech with convincing him to go break into his house and everything. It's, yes. I love that I have that scene in my head, even though it's never actually happened. <laughs> yeah, I can picture it very vividly as well, definitely. Of course, they had to get in some talk about Dee's body to calling her a bird. Uh, saying she was getting a little bigger in the midsection and, you know, and then the comment about her elbows being out of control <laughs> or whatever it was. At least her hands are a normal size. <laughs> <laughs> we had the bit with Charlie not being able to do math, not following, you know, the, the winning amount of the ticket minus the cost of the arbitration, leaving him with only $14. Or And not following the Dennis's conclusion about who owned the ticket because of it being his money. Yeah. I don't get it. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, going into this episode, I knew that there was a big breakthrough in it based on the pre-reviews. And I thought it was almost certainly going to be the Mac thing. But I was a little worried that Mac was finally going to flip. But still, he's never once flipped. Like never a backflip. Oh, a backflip. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my favorite lines. He's never once flipped. <laughs> he, he, he even said it was that he was about to do a sweet backflip. Yeah, not just yeah. to do a backflip. <laughs> <laughs> that is, by the way, a recurring trait of pretty much all the characters. Although definitely more Mac and Dennis than the rest. But their image, they they want to be thought well of. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. We can expect that that joke will continue. Mac will continue to be a wannabe badass and will continue to make spin kicks that are not not the mark of... Not, they're not up to the level of country Mac, for example. <laughs> but no more of the Mac in denial jokes. That callback is gone. Mac is going to be a great gay man. He's going to be the best gay man. <laughs> <laughs> so there were some references, as usual. The One of the big ones would be Johnny Cochran getting a uh, nod here from the famous O.J. Simpson trial. Referring to the bloody glove, he said, If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. And, of course... Charlie says, if it smells like shit, you must acquit. And then also, if the shoe's a matcher, Charlie gets the scratcher. <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing that Charlie does sometimes. Tries to come up with a catchphrase. I, I, I at first didn't catch the reference, the Johnny Cochran reference, but I, the second time around, I was like, oh yeah, I see what he's doing. Another element of this episode that I really appreciate, another reason that this might be one of my favorite episodes, is because they found a way to have this discussion about, I don't know, censorship, you know, what's appropriate on TV, what words you're allowed to say, even aside from TV, just in society. They found a good way to discuss it and even say every bad word you can think of, but they were doing it in ways it's hard to judge them for. They're talking about why you can or can't say it, or talking about a word that someone else said, so that it's not, Charlie didn't really say the N-word, he was saying the word that someone else was referencing. And it shows that they kind of understand and see all the sides and are presenting all the sides of 
what is acceptable or offensive versus what is fair or legal or what we have a right to, you know, what the reasons that these words are offensive or not offensive and how they could or should be taken. I, I thought it was a really neat device. It was like, it was hilarious as they did it. And they said all these offensive words, but they went through a process that actually, I think, brings up good thought and is not just offensive. Just to be clear, deposit is a load, right? <laughs> How long before deposit is a bad word? <laughs> George Carlin's going to have to add an eighth. <laughs> so last week we recorded a small part of our conversation that included a bit about how they used the F word last week in making Dennis Reynolds a murderer. But I ended up editing that section out because there was some background cat noise and, you know, whatever. It wasn't a big deal. And that turned out to work really well because this episode, they just went and mentioned a whole bunch of words that you normally don't talk about. So that set the whole new standard. But really, this has just always been possible. A little research turned up the fact that you can say these words on TV all you want as long as it's cable. It's just that advertisers won't advertise with networks that will be sketchy like that. At least that was the thinking. Clearly that's changing a bit. You know, I saw on Twitter actually Rob McElhaney joking about this, saying that they'd have to pay FCC fines. Really? I did a little research too. I don't think that they would have to pay FCC fines, but they might potentially have to. Apparently it's gone to the Supreme Court a couple times and the Supreme Court has avoided making decisions that would affect, I don't know how to say this, they would have a, a broad scope. They, they've, they've made a point of just ruling on the specific case that's come before them. And it's kind of up in the air as to whether or not they could theoretically or potentially hold cable networks responsible for it. Apparently, the legal thought is if it came down to it, they wouldn't rule against them. And so no one has bothered to, to push that. Yeah. Audio Elements. Along the lines of the combined theme of the old school sunny uh, elements with the, the great argument, combined with the more overt social commentary that's becoming a bit of a trend for them, we had a bit of a mixture of classic and new elements in terms of the music use. Yes, yes. The opening of the episode, which usually has their standard lighthearted style music, instead was this sort of tense thriller music, you know, when we had this pending moment of doom with the piano falling on Mac. And then, of course, at the very end of the episode, they had the moving moment music when Mac decides to stay out of the closet, you know, saying, we're for realsies here. <laughs> but they used the classic Heinz Kiesling and Werner Tauts music every time they switched the Arbiter, for example, when they showed the new Arbiter, like in mid-sentence already, basically talking about what's going on, right on cue, the music started. <laughs> Yeah, again, I have pointed out many times I appreciate how, one, how music can be used as a tool, and two, how well they do it, how well they do use all the elements of filmmaking. I really liked how they had the characters who were narrating the flashbacks' voices come out of the different people in the flashback. Like when Dee's explaining what happens and Frank says something, it's Dee's voice coming out of Frank's mouth. Yes. Yeah, I like that also. <laughs> And of course, sometimes they were just lying about the flashback, like in Frank's case, saying he was bird watching. Yeah. <laughs> Visual elements. That is another thing that the show does oftentimes that 
they weren't necessarily making a stick of here, but I like it when you have different characters retell a story and you get different perspectives. This one, they all seem to be on the same page as far as the events that actually happen. But I do still like to hear each of them tell it their way, you know. Another visual thing that they had in this episode was, of course, the piano falling and the stunt that they had to do there with Charlie kicking Mac out of the way. I think that piano was was made of styrofoam or something. It really took a while to get to the ground. (laughs) But that's good because we didn't want Mac or Charlie to get crushed. Yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, by the way, Charlie looked more like he could do a backflip than Mac. Final thoughts. All right, this is full of them. What's your favorite moment? Mine was definitely just Matt going, gay rich Mac, and fist pumping <laughs> at the end, looking really happy. I love the switching of the arbiters. The, uh, you saw the kind of saw the first one coming, and the second one kind of snuck up on me. I should have seen it coming. Yeah. But, yeah, I laughed really hard at that. Yeah, you got to know when they're going to base something on politeness or fairness. There's no way that's going over with this yeah, group right yeah. now. <laughs> My favorite moment was definitely when Charlie's explaining why he purposefully stepped in the dog poop. <laughs> I love it. Like, that way there'd be no questions. And then it's like, now there's more questions. <laughs> like, to cover up the cologne. Like, it's like this obvious, obviously you would spray yourself with a skunk to cover up cologne. Why else would? <laughs> Are you happy? No, I'm less happy. Less happy. Start at the beginning. What smell started it all? I love that. That was, that was the perfect type of, it's always sunny interaction that i want to happen every episode i love it fandomedia.reviews that's our show for today folks thanks for tuning in make sure to give us an itunes review You'd be surprised at how much that helps our show get noticed and we are a very small show at this point we could use your help signing off i'm fan pounder 4000 i'm gay rich fan and i'll sing you a song i'm the piano fan